Our first lesson comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 1 through 4. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give to Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you, because you are my precious, you are precious in my sight, and honored, and I love you. And I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson comes from the book of Esther, chapter 4, verses 4 through 17. When Esther's maids and her eunuchs came and told her, the queen was deeply distressed. She sent garments to clothe Mordecai so that he might take off his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called out for Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs, who had been appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what was happening and why. Hathak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther, explain it to her, and charge her to go to the king to make supplication to him and entreat him for her people. Hathak went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and gave him a message from Mordecai, saying, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law. All alike are to be put to death. Only if the king holds out the golden scepter to someone may that person live. I myself have not been called to come into the king for thirty days. When they told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silence at such a time like this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter. But you and your father's family will perish. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. Then Esther said and replied to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf, and neither eat nor drink for three days, night, or day. I and my maids will also fast as you do. After that, I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. The word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. I'm Peter Ray. I'm a senior at John Carroll Catholic High School. Um, 
And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Lord Almighty, have these past two years been something else. Miserable at times, to say the least. Having everything I knew and everything I was growing up to know inverted, flipped upside down. And in the wake of the worldly chaos, watching my personal life drastically change right before my eyes watching the relationships of those around me crumble, and even some of my own, and having to make hard decisions at such a young age, and then watching my grandmother slowly pass away, and then trying to plan my future at what feels like the last minute, all while still trying to wrap my head around what's even happening before my eyes. And through it all, I'm left wondering, where is God in all of this? It makes me think, what if Esther was asking herself the exact same question? Where is God in all of this? You know, it makes me wonder even more considering that God was never even mentioned once throughout the entirety of the book of Esther. Here we have this Jewish woman, Esther, who has worked her way to the top of the royal ladder only to hear from her friend Mordecai that the king she loves so much is planning to annihilate her people. Can you imagine how gut-wrenching this must have felt to think about everyone you love being killed? I mean, how do you think the people of Ukraine feel right now? But in the midst of all this, she's left wondering, where is God in all of this? Despite the questioning, you can see God's fingerprints all over this text. All of us as humans, we have the, uh, the ability to do good, and every single human was born with the dignity and integrity and the desire to protect life, even though they may not have recognized it. But this is a gift that God has given to us. Surrounding us in this world are people who have not realized they have this gift, which causes us to forget about this gift within ourselves. But we too have the Mordecais in our life. And that's why this passage about Esther is so important. Because you have this Jewish woman who's worked her way to the top and is now putting her life on the line to protect a ton of people that she's never even met. This is God alive in the text. This is God alive in us. Because even when we don't see God, even when we are wondering where he is in all of this, he's right there. My mom always told me, find joy along your journey. But right now, however, I just don't see it. Or at least at times it's really hard to. Because no matter how hard I look, it's just hard to find the joy sometimes. But I hope and I trust that joy might find me. Because perhaps, perhaps I was born for such a time like this. And I trust these words of Isaiah. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, he who created you, O Peter, he who formed you, O Marguerite, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. You may not be able to feel it. You may not be able to see God in the pages of your life, but you can trust it. You can trust that even when you don't see God, he's there. Thanks. Good morning. 
My name is Hattie Donovan, and I'm a senior at Hewitt Trustful High School. I still can't believe that I've made it this far. I vividly remember looking up to seniors, thinking that they had their whole lives put together. Spoiler alert, we do not. Sometimes it feels as if all these I do these days is count. Counting how many times I have to sit through a lecture at school, counting how many days I have until graduation. It's 72, by the way. And even counting how many wooden boards are on the ceiling of the sanctuary. I know we have all done that one before. While counting can be entertaining to pass the time, it normally stresses me out. Young people tend to count and compare how many likes or views they have on social media, thinking it will make a difference. It's taken a long time for me to realize that it truly doesn't. My grandfather, Felix Yarbrough, who I'm sure most of you had the pleasure of knowing, was probably the only person I have ever known to not compare himself to anyone. He lived to serve others, whether it was making flower-shaped sandwiches with no cheese on it because I don't like cheese on my sandwiches, or if it was being a friend to someone who had none. I love and miss him every day, and I know that my poppy is listening to me right now. While his death brought me closer than ever to God, my journey with God has been interesting, to say the least. My parents moved my sisters and I many times throughout my childhood, and my mom loved IPC too much to attend any other church. We would visit for Christmas and Easter, but I never thought much of it until we moved back to the Birmingham area. For a long time, I loathed church. It wasn't until 2021 when I truly started to believe and listen to what Jesus had to say. Now I'm more Christian than ever and also happier. I also truly understand what it means to live in his word. It means to treat everyone with the same selfless kindness that Jesus did, which has really opened my eyes and helped mold me into who I am today and what all I stand for. IPC's youth program has been on a wild ride since I joined here but each youth leader has helped shape me into who I am today. And I'm eternally thankful for Catherine Goodrow, Susan Dukes, Cami Ashworth, and all of the amazing volunteers that have put up with our collective craziness. This time in my life and all of my fellow seniors' lives is awkward and uncomfortable. What well, feels like hundreds of people asking me if I have my entire life mapped out yet, and even more so trying to convince me of different programs to join when I do go to college. I still don't know whether to be sad to leave my high school days or excited to start my adventure at the University of Montevallo, but I do know one thing, I am terrified. Before COVID, I was ecstatic at the idea of moving out, but once quarantine quite literally forced me to grow closer with my family, I have no idea how I'm going to leave them. Despite my fears and insecurities regarding my future, I'm oddly calm. I think this is because I know that God works in mysterious ways that, and that whatever I go through, I will grow through it. Esther 4 verse 14 says, perhaps you were born for such a time as this. Perhaps I was. People focus on the possibility of perhaps I wasn't, but that's not what God is about. He wants us to know that even if you are going through what seems like the worst thing to ever happen, he does it out of pure love. That was one thing that took me the longest to understand. And many ask, if God loves us so much, then why do bad things happen to good people? My answer is simple, 
because you can't get better if you don't hit rock bottom first. I'm eternally grateful for at how at home I feel here at IPC. I love being active in the church, if you can't tell by me singing, playing the flute, and preaching in one service. I feel the Holy Spirit moving through me every time I carry that cross down the aisle, which was dedicated to the church by my grandparents in honor of their daughter, Laura Knoll, who passed away in 1973. My mother grew up in the house right behind the church, and my grandfather was the director of community ministries here for a large majority of his life. IPC has made its mark on my heart, and the warmth I feel when I enter the most beautiful sanctuary in all of Birmingham is unmatched to any other. Many people tell me I'm very mature for my age, very in touch with my emotions. Job 32 verses seven through nine says, I thought age should speak, advanced years should teach wisdom, but it is the spirit in a person, the breath of the Almighty, that gives them understanding. It is not only the old who are wise, not only the age to understand what is right. This perfectly phrases that age does not define who I am, but it certainly influences me. Sure, I might be great at talking to adults, but do I know how to do taxes? Absolutely not. <laughs> and that's okay. I don't need to have my entire life planned out. That's God's job. I need to stop counting. I need to focus on what is at hand, for if you live in the moment, you appreciate what God has done in your life so much more. If I continue to count how many bad days I've had in a week, then I don't appreciate how many good days God has given me. If I continue to count how many times it says the Lord on the stained glass in the sanctuary, then I don't appreciate the sermon or verses of scripture being read and proclaimed to me. This time in my life is confusing and full of uncertainties, but I can power through. I don't know what God has in store for me, but neither does anyone else. While we may all have different opinions and experiences, the unknown is what draws us together and gives us our humanity. We can all agree that God loves to throw curveballs in our lives, but it's those curveballs that shape who we are and what we believe. I may not know much, but I do know one thing. God is here. God is everywhere. All you have to do is look for him. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm James Long. Some of you may know me, some of you may not, but I'm sure most of y'all are pretty familiar with my dad over there. Um, he is the pastor here. So if we were to go back to about May of last year, some of you might remember seeing me stand up here with this miserable look on my face. <laughs> and if you would have told me that almost a year later I'd be standing up here giving a sermon, I would have never believed you. But fortunately, God, um, he's capable of some pretty crazy things, and here we are. So, growing up the son of a pastor, I've been in the church almost my entire life. Whether it's been embarking upon mission trips to the Dominican Republic, Sunday school with good old Bill Sutherland and Matt Braxick from Swickley, youth group adventures with amazing people like Mike Kramer and JD and Cammie, and so many others, or just sitting in church every Sunday listening to my dad preach, I can say that I've pretty much grown up in the church. Overall, I think it's been an amazing blessing in my life being the pastor's son, 
but at times it hasn't been easy by any stretch. Some of the wonderful parts of being the son of a pastor have been the connections and the relationships I've been so blessed to have. I've been able to get to know some of the most amazing people I know through the church, which is one of the aspects that made leaving Pittsburgh so heartbreaking. However, from the deep bonds with friends from Swickley that are almost like family to the new relationships that are being forged here, I've been extremely blessed with the people that I've been able to meet. I've also had the opportunity to go on mission trips to the places like the Dominican Republic, like I mentioned earlier. Those trips were genuinely some of the best weeks of my entire life, and I'd highly recommend to anyone in here to take a step outside of your comfort zone and maybe listen to what God might be leading you to do, whether it's a mission trip or something else. However, despite all these wonderful things, there have definitely been numerous times where it's been pretty difficult being the son of a pastor. For example, moving last summer here to Alabama at the start of my senior year has been one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. I felt like I had no voice and no control over my situation, and quite frankly, I was devastated. Throughout this transition, God has not shown up in my life in the ways I expected him to at all. He hasn't come with trumpets sounding or with drums banging or in the ways I might have hoped, but however, looking back, his still, small voice has remained present in the midst of adversity. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is Psalm 23, which has really begun to resonate with me during this time of transition. The text says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When I look at the line that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, that resonates with me, especially during this year of change. The valley of the shadow of death for me was walking into Mountainburg High School for the first time with a thousand plus people that I had no idea who they were, just staring at me like I had three heads. <laughs> it was standing up in front of y'all almost a year ago, knowing what laid ahead the following year. It was leaving all my closest friends and teammates and hopes and dreams for my life back home it was the hard nights where I could, I could hardly sleep well, and the only thing I could think about was how anxious I was for the next big transition in my life, that being college next year, which quite frankly, I'm still a little worried about. <laughs> it was even when I felt like God had completely abandoned me in the valley of the shadow of death, and I could only help but wonder where on earth had he gone. The truth was, God hadn't gone anywhere. He was right there the whole time, every step of the way, and he still is. I just couldn't see it yet. The next line of the text says, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God's rod and staff for me has been instead of my hope that I'd make a bunch of friends easily and have a good old time, I've actually come to develop a lot fewer but more meaningful relationships with people that really care, which is much more valuable even though it wasn't exactly what I had envisioned. It's also been the fun opportunities to go see some big time SEC football games, which if you would have told me that, I would be going to see Alabama or Auburn before I moved here, I would have thought you were crazy. It's been the opportunity to go downtown with Steve Shaw on Saturday mornings to pass out hand warmers and biscuits to the homeless, which has not only blessed others, but has blessed me as well. It also taught me that as difficult as I may think my own circumstances are, there's always someone out there who might be going through worse, which is a great reminder, I think, for everyone to just be a little more empathetic to all of us, all of those around us. It's been something even as simple as having more time on my hands to listen more carefully to what God's saying in my life. All of these things I would have never expected, 
but they are just a small bit of the things that God's doing in my life and the things he's blessed me with. And as the end of high school approaches, I want all my fellow seniors to think about what walking the valley of the shadow of death in your own life might be. Whether that be college next year, or leaving behind old friends, or not living with your family for the first time. But then, I challenge you to remain faithful in God's plan for your life. And even when it seems impossible, I challenge you to look for God's rod and staff that he's placed in front of you, and to trust that he's working even when it's hard to see. And as my dad likes to say, you just never know what might happen with the Holy Spirit on the loose. Amen.